Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tonight's episode of the Science Enthusiast Podcast is brought to you by Monsanto. Oh, were you not jumping in there? Oh, I, I was just I was just gonna let you let you just go and uh start introducing us because there's nothing else to say. I guess you're right. <laughs> just just say just say who we are. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan Broadbent, and as always, I'm joined by my brilliant friend Natalie Newell. Hey, see, I didn't, I didn't do what I said I was going to do last week and just write something shitty for you to say about me to like, you know, I'll see, I, me, I, so I, I already forgot about you all forgot. that. See, cause la- last week was last week. I mean, time, who cares? It was, it, it was, it happened an eternity ago. <laughs> it was, it was a while ago. So yeah, I, th- I think it actually was a week ago that we recorded <laughs> our, our last intro to this. So, so why would I, why would I expect any, you know, continuity of, thoughts from one episode to another this is all just um, i mean if if you're listening to us with any expectations of anything i think your expectations i mean either will or won't be met those are the two options i guess right yeah because I, I that's science or or somewhere or is it just somewhere in the middle where they're just like neutral it's okay <laughs> i mean at least this episode we have andrew torres who's going to you know dazzle our audience we do with, the, with all of his intelligence and the, the verbosity that is Andrew Torres. The, you you never get a short answer on anything. Andrew Torres knows him, his shit. He he does, and I mean that's the that's the lawyer in him or attorney in him. I guess what's the di- what's the difference between lawyer and attorney anyway? We didn't ask him that. Are they're not the same? I don't know why. Why I don't know. I have they, two I terms were, for the same thing? And I thought they were synonyms. And, no. I thought legal definitions of things are very important, so I would imagine that there has to be some sort of differentiation. I would assume it is. I, I always hear defense. Well, you hear a defense attorney, though, don't you? Or is it a defense lawyer? lawyer. I, I thought that, I just thought they were the same, and I thought that attorney was a fancier way to say lawyer. I don't know. Well, then I, why say why say lawyer why say in the first I know, place? I know. Are you you're, are you googling this right now so that you can like come up with an answer on the spot for me? I mean, what is the I, difference between lawyer and attorney? Go 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 I, quick! I I could I could, <laughs> but then we would continue but, to be derailed. From... Yeah, we don't want to derail. We don't want to derail. <laughs> and you know what? If if anybody wants to just um answer that question for us, you know where to find us on the internet. So you know, send send hate mail, send love letters, send. The difference Money between an attorney and, and TSE.com or no TSE.com, uh, whatever website that is, watch it be like some sort of like awful like porn site or something. And now I'm like, <laughs> you're just sending people he to was porn. Promoting, he was promoting this awful website. 
I listened to the show up until that point. And apparently we have Mickey Mouse offended listening to our show. It's either Mickey Mouse or some like old church lady who is, who's clearly been listening to our show since uh, Ken Ham showed us on the art. Since Ken Ham promoted it. He said, oh, uh, the science podcast. Yeah, I'll I'll check that out. And this lady's like, I I love this shit. And she like listens in (laughs) secret. You know, she, she has her earbuds in while she's like on the arc doing something, but she's listening to us. But then you just lost her right now. You lost whatever her name is, Mary. Her well, name's Mary because it's biblical. That's it. Well, I went to TSE.com, and oddly enough, it redirects to TMX.com. Uh, maybe they had an identity crisis there. Uh, their stock is up today, so good for them. But also, for their their cover image is a space shuttle launching. So it's so not porn. It's not it's porn. Not, it's not. I think it's a marketing website of some oh, kind. Okay. Uh, and I've already lost interest in whatever they have yeah. going on there. So why don't you tell us about the our God of the Week? Okay, so um, so you just talked about a rocket going into space, and I'm going to give us the Egyptian creator goddess of the sky. So that was a segue without even knowing it. It's almost like you yeah. planned it, but you didn't. So her name is Newt, but it's spelled nut, like N-U-T. But, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it is. But it's pronounced, it's pronounced Newt. And so... And who's, who is Newt, <laughs> the daughter of? <laughs> so... Oh, I'm already starting to laugh. She's the daughter of of Tefnut. Tefnut. It looks like Tefnut though. It looks, like, it looks like Tefnut, but I'm going with the with the Newt pronunciation of N U T. I know. So so that person or God or whatever and Shu. And so Newt is S H U, not S H U. On the like, foot. Yeah. So we're we're just doing. Are these all homophones that we're doing again? Right these are, these are all. Yeah. This is your story. It, well, I guess I guess my story. The, the concept of Shu might not have existed back when. Anyway, yeah. I so, digress. anyways, so so Newt, our our goddess, she is this gigantic, beautiful woman covered in stars because I guess she is the sky. It said creator goddess of the sky, but I think she is the sky. She sometimes swallows the stars, or so it says, okay. but she coughs them up later. Well, is that I not? I don't know. Is that not kind of like a like a supernova type black hole thing, oh. or black holes colliding and? And you science. have gas yeah. and things that are so given that's off, how they and you have stuff. The, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, I'm sure back in back back when the Egyptians were doing their Egyptian stuff, I'm I'm sure they were looking into deep space and saw these things happening and observed them. Yeah. So okay, so it's it's going to get a little bit weird here, I <laughs> guess. Um, weirder. So so she had a brother, and it's spelled G E B. Do we say Jeb? Is that are we going to call him Jeb? Yeah, or Geb. Geb. Which one? Geb? Want to well, call Geb? Okay. Well, our rest of development will go, let's we'll go with together. Job. So yeah. instead of Gob. Let's, so let's, I do, think... let's do Jeb. I'm going to do yeah. Jeb. Okay. So so Jeb, her brother, is the god of the earth. Um, so that doesn't seem weird because, you know, it's all in the family, the the world and the universe and stuff. But so it, he's her brother, but he's also her husband. But is it by blood or are they like married I, in? See, I don't, I don't know. See, that's are the thing. Half I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know really. Um, their like their family tree in terms of who had intercourse with who in this god world. See, um, I'm just. So I, I guess so I'm just gonna, an apologist it, for yeah for for <laughs> deity incest. So um, so that's a thing. Um, so the family though, it's they're all just so connected and up in each other's business. Um. 
Shu is the mom. She's the air goddess. She's always like holding Newt in place because the sky, the air, I guess it's all connected. And then another, I guess, I guess he's a family member because I guess everybody's family in this world. Um, Ra, the sun god. He, um, okay, I'm, I'm just going to read kind of what it said when I was reading about this. He hmm. enters the sun god. He enters Newt's mouth every morning and essentially comes out her butt at night. I don't get it. <laughs> well, it's digest, I guess. I mean, and that he di- I can see the connection. You don't know where the sun goes at night. So yeah, so he uh, goes in We her. have to come up with some sort of explanation. Yeah. So that, so that's the, that was Egyptian science. I don't make this up. I just report the news. Um, so, but, so we're going to leave that where it is because we don't need to explain it too much more. Um, moving on. Newt wanted kids and, um, she and Jeb, unfortunately, had trouble making that happen. I, I don't know the exact reasons, don't know, whatever, but they were having a hard time. So then here comes Ra, and he's just a, a dick. And he says that even if Newt was to have have kids, he's going to curse any offspring of hers. So the curse of his stated further that like she'd be able to get pregnant, but then never give birth. But in, oh, in God, I know, I know. So in God worlds, though, it seems like there's always a loophole. And so another God, Thoth, T-H-O-T-H, that's a terribly hard to pronounce name. <laughs> he, he comes along and he helps Newt find the loophole, whatever that was. And then she gives birth. So here's who she gives birth to, because this is important, <laughs> this is important for us. Okay? I know, I know, this I know where it's going. This, this was like these are these are life changing things for me. Um, she gave birth to Isis, Osiris, yeah, and Set. And so, if you remember our God of the Week segment, I feel like I feel like we really we really started to hit our stride with Isis and the Golden Dick. So, I just want to thank Newt for existing and giving birth because um, otherwise, where where would we be right now? I I wouldn't have gone the slippery slope from like Golden Dicks to. Jesus jizz in just a matter of less than a year. Well, we also so, we also featured Osiris in one of our we first did. episodes. We did. We the the Egyptian pantheon of of gods has has been pretty good to us. So um, yeah, I I really don't even know what I just said as always, but um, that's the story. And Andrew Torres is gonna is gonna make up for this in spades. So <laughs> we are we are sorry. We'll be back with something better. Shortly. (laughs) Okay, tonight we are thrilled to be joined by Andrew Torres. Andrew is one of the hosts of the absolutely wonderful Opening Arguments podcast, which I have no bias towards because I don't do any um, work for you guys, whatever. Um, Before we start, I'll. let the let, let the, the record, record show. show. That's, That's it's fake news or something. That's what but, you um, expect a shill to say. It's so. what yeah exactly. And so <laughs> you know so here we are with Andrew, the disciple of Michael Shermer, because some lady on Twitter said it. And I feel like we need to start by telling everybody: don't take legal advice from this podcast, and don't take any advice from anything Dan or I ever say. Anyways, but uh, you know we have to start there. So welcome, Andrew. Uh, Natalie, Dan, thank you so much for having me on. I am really, really excited and uh, uh, looking forward to it. All right. So we always do kind of 
everyone's origin story, pretty much. How did you get to the place where you're talking to us? But we're going to start with your, let's start with your, with your lawyer story. How did you get into the law? And then we'll bring it to how you entered our skeptic and atheist world. Okay. Um, so I, I was kind of an accidental lawyer. Um, I, I didn't, um, yeah, no, nobody in my family um, is, in my extended family is a lawyer. I didn't really know anything about like what lawyers do. I was just sort of a super nerdy kid, right? I started school early. I skipped a couple grades. I graduated early, right? Like, so, uh, and then, uh, you know, I went to college. I, I started, I started college when I was 16. Um, and, and so I stayed in the area and then, uh, and then I was valedictorian in my class. And, um, like going to Harvard Law School was just sort of a thing that like smart people did. Um, and I kind of liked law and I kind of liked politics and, you know, that sort of thing. And I sort of had this vague idea that maybe I would be on the Supreme Court someday. Like, I, you know, that's the kind of thing you think about when you're, you know, a teenager. And um, and so uh, so that's how I got uh, to law school. And then um if you go, and this is a very serious thing, and I, and I, I have coached a lot of uh, of, of kids. I, I coached a high school debate for uh, about a decade, and um, and so I've worked with a lot of young kids. And as you can imagine, if you're active in debate, you tend to go to law school, you know. Um, and one of the things I will say is, if you don't know what you're doing with the law, and you show up in one, you know, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, in in an, in an Ivy League law school. Um, you will get pushed into sort of big firm law. And that's what happened to me. Um, and again, it's because you're stuck in the same sort of mindset of like, right, I was an Apple polisher, A plus student. And like, so that it's okay. That mindset kind of continues, right? So you get the best clerkship that you can get. And I clerked for the Maryland State Supreme Court, right? Like, and then you go to the best law firm that you can go to. And so I went to Covington and Burling, which is one of the, you know, biggest, most, you know, oldest, most, you know, prestigious law firms in the world. Um, and it really wasn't until I was about um, 28, 29, uh, that I realized um, that this was my life and that there wasn't like anybody left to give me an A anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and and so I kind of had one of those moments of like, what, what am I doing here at this like mega firm in DC? Like, that's not really me. And so um, and so I knew I wanted to relocate back. I grew up in Baltimore and I knew I wanted to like relocate back to Baltimore. And, and so I did. So I la And so again, my thought process, the only thing I really knew was, well, I'm going to go from Covington and Burling, which is this huge mega firm to the smallest firm that I could find, uh, which was Zuckerman Spader, which has about a hundred lawyers. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so then I went there, I stayed at Zuckerman for, uh, about 12 years, uh, you know, made partner, everything was great. Um, and then I kind of had that second sort of, you know, life crisis point where um, I, I realized that uh, I, I really wanted to be doing this, you know, for myself rather than uh, for somebody else. And, and um, so I've, I've had my own firm now. This is at the end of this year will be the end of year three of, uh, of having my own firm, which um, is, so much better than any other thing I have ever done in the law uh, that uh, that I can't uh, I, I just I can't go on about uh, about about how great it is. So uh, so that's that's how I got here. Yeah. And, and I think that we I mean, I'm guessing it's the same for Dan. We kind of 
started hearing the name Andrew on um, some of the podcasts that we listened to, some of our, you know, the Puzzle in a Thunderstorm yeah. crew. <laughs> and so there's this Andrew the lawyer, right? I mean, Dan, is that kind of the same for you? That's how, you, I mean, that's how I knew who he was. Right, yeah. yeah. And so how did you get into being <laughs> the the lawyer for some pretty um, hilarious and awesome podcast yeah well and that that's part of what makes my my day job interesting is mm-hmm. you know having eli bosnick as a client um <laughs> uh, but uh but actually i mean the way the way i got into that was um was honestly by uh being a fan of atheist shows and in particular i started off as a fan and i'm not just saying this because he's presently my partner and the best interviewer in the world uh but being a fan of uh the original uh uh, Thomas and the Bible show. Um, and so, and I had been listening to that for a long time. Uh, and from there I got into, um, to Thomas's other shows, uh, and, and was listening to the old incarnation of Serious Inquiries Only, which was then called Atheistically Speaking. Um, and it was only through Thomas that I found, right, the Scathing Atheist podcast and Cognitive Dissonance and, and some of those folks. Um, and, and interestingly, right, I mean, I found them at a time in my life where personally, like, I'm a lot, right, I've been an atheist for for a long time. And so, you know, when I was in my 20s, I was a lot more scathing, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. now I'm a, I'm a much more kind of a, right, I got a 15-year-old, like, yeah, like, I'm pretty happy. Like, I'm much more <laughs> of a mellow atheist right now, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I loved, I mean, the first time I heard scathing, what I loved about it was, I mean, A, obviously, uh, you know, the, the guys are hilarious. Uh, but 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 B, and this was, you know, this was an early on uh, one of Noah's diatribes. I've asked him about this. I think it's number six, but I could be wrong on that. And, um, and Noah was, uh, was going through the diatribe about uh, some pastor had emailed him and said, hey, you want to, you know, have me on the show for a debate or whatever. And Noah's diatribe was basically like, no. Uh, I'm not going to have you on for a debate. There are lots of shows that that uh, have atheist and theist debates. If you want to go on one of those, go on one of those. Uh, but you know what else there are? There are like thousands and thousands of Christian-only podcasts where Christians go to hang out and talk to other Christians, and they don't have to like debate stuff that they know, right? Like they're just, that's their community and where they hang out. Well, guess what? Like this is our community among atheists where like we don't want to have to like debate with people who believe in magic, okay? So find something else. And like, you know, and obviously he did it in his Noah way, which is funnier than I'm I'm summarizing. Uh, but but I, I really like that kind of spoke to me, right? Like I, I like that idea of the positive aspect of, you know, building community, right? Because I mean, one of the things people talk about all the time is the like, you know, people who have a positive experience in religious communities and, you know, like, what do you replace that with? And lots of times we don't do a good job of that. Uh, but I felt like the, the the humor in those shows were, were things that helped um, kind of replace that that community. So that's how I got to be fans of those shows. And then, um, I, I mean, I could I could tell you how I got in if you want to know. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Tell us. <laughs> so um, it was uh, February or March of 2016, and I was listening to Atheistically Speaking, 
and uh, Thomas had a great guest. I don't even remember what the guest, who the guest was or what they were talking about. It was a typical, you know, good, atheistically speaking, good Thomas interview uh, until like the last 10 minutes. And then like the guest pontificated about some aspect of the First Amendment where he was just, I just like disastrously wrong. And Thomas like kind of well. And so, and so I wrote an email to Thomas and I was like, hey, Thomas, I, t- I just want you to know, like, I love the show and, uh, and I love this episode uh, all the way up until here. And like the last 10 minutes where it totally went off the rails. And what any normal person would have done with that email would have written back like, Go fuck yourself. Right? I'm sorry. Can I swear on your show? Like, <laughs> oh, you could swear. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. you, yeah, you right. talk so, to me on a regular basis. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> so, so, but right, like that's what you would have done. You would have been like, any, any sensible person would have been like, uh, unsolicited email, right, go down. But Thomas being uh, unbelievably nice and, and, and interested in, in engaging with people, like wrote back and said, thank you. And then like two weeks later, um, Scalia died. And so Thomas emailed me and said, hey, do you want to come on and, uh, you know, talk some uh, dirt about Scalia? And I was like, do I? And so, <laughs> so I went on Atheistically Speaking and, uh, and I uh, gave the kind of uh, eulogy that Antonin Scalia deserves, uh, which is to say that uh, he is a monster whose judicial philosophy is at odds with uh, the manifest tenor of the Constitution and uh, should never have been confirmed to the Supreme Court. And um, like that went well. <laughs> so I did a couple more. It's extremely yeah, accurate, no, though, too. Like it, it's uh, one of the things I've learned in three years being on my own and, you know, uh, closing in on two years of, of doing the like podcasting stuff. Um, right. Most lawyers are really, really circumspect. <laughs> um, and I, like, I feel like compared to the rest of the community, right? Like I'm always the one saying, you know, don't take legal advice from a podcast <laughs> and, you know, all of the like disclaimers. And so I feel like I'm way on the conservative fringe. And then like, I'm going to my old firm's holiday party uh, next week. Right. Then I go and I like interact in a room with other lawyers. And I realized that like compared to the rest of the legal community, like I'm their friend, right? Like, <laughs> so, you know, so I think, uh, I think it went, it worked well in the sense that, you know, we uh, obviously Thomas and I, got, you know, got along well, we, you know, content and Thomas is a fantastic interviewer and everything else. Uh, and I think like the fact that I was not, you know, willing to say like, no, Scalia's a monster, right? Like, let's, you know, let's be honest about that. Um, so then I came back on, we did like three or four more episodes uh, and then started talking about how to, you know, turn, instead of it being guest appearances, how to turn it into a, a show. Um, and that's, we kicked around a bunch of ideas. Um, we wanted to call it legally speaking at first, uh, but there's like a garbage law firm in Canada that's put out like three episodes of a podcast in 2011, but they own all the social media on oh. legally speaking. So it was like, so we scratched that out. Uh, and then I wanted, I suggested uh, lawful neutral. Um, so right, at least Natalie giggled on that. I said that to Thomas and he was that's like, so nerdy. That's yeah, so no, it totally was. And Thomas was like, I don't get it. And I'm like, really? You, you never played Dungeons and Dragons as a child? And he was like, no, I, I had friends. And uh, and I was like, oh, okay, well, see, they're, they're, that's the difference between the two of us. Um, so we scratched that one off. And so eventually then we came up with uh, with opening arguments. Um, 
which I will say if you if any lawyers are listening, like the number one question I always get from lawyers is why is it opening arguments when it's, you know, if you call lawyers like they're actually opening statements because you can't give arguments in your opening statement. And I was like, right. That way, when you type opening arguments into Google, you get my show instead of 85,000 <laughs> videos on how to give an opening statement. So uh, that's some social media savvy there. Oh, that's yeah. Some, right. Like, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's how you do it. But I mean, and, and people people really love your show. And, you know, and you talked about you talked about community before. And I mean, you guys just have really good fans, too. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you are active. You help moderate the opening arguments community Facebook page. Um, I it, I got the idea from that because we do these um, hangouts with our patrons. Um, and uh, and and I was sitting it was a, a couple months ago. And we, we did one of the hangouts and um, and it had a little scroll bar on the side where people were you know, talking. And I realized that like people were talking to each other in the hangout far more than they were like asking us questions. Um, and I thought that was just awesome. And I was like, okay, well, like, let's stick all these people in one place and, you know, let them, let them have fun uh, together. And, uh, and so far, like, you know, we're, we're, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you got like the opening arguments, just vibe and, community is probably one of the probably one of the nicest facebook communities that i've seen I, personally so I yeah. Th- yeah i I've, I've only been in it for about two months and i think i forget what the topic was but it was something that was needed nuance to it and i i said something and somebody disagreed and i i think our the group that we kind of started and have kind of uh let go. just go <laughs> i don't know that's the topic of another show uh I expected to come back and it'd be like a shit store, but people were like actually talking like real yeah. people. And I was like, I sent Natalie a message. I was like, holy shit. I said this thing that I knew would probably get something, some sort of reaction. Like it wasn't like whatever I said, wasn't yeah, yeah. mean or anything like that. But, uh, but I, I mean, I guess I tend people for whatever reason, think that I'm some sort of like conservative, like in disguise, uh, which is adorable to, to, to think again, topic of another show. But uh, and so I said something like that, and it's just I was just so surprised and uh, slightly disappointed <laughs> that uh, I was like, "Well, now I got my fighting shoes on." And uh, no, just, nobody, uh, nobody's doing that. What do we do now? No, yeah. no. no I, are, it, I, cool. I met pe- people. People know uh, that I had a, um, uh, a an extended and not polite run-in with another atheist podcaster before starting the show. Um, at the same time that that happened, uh, on that same thread, it was over uh, the, um, uh, the, there was a, a Christian Mingle settlement. Christian right? Mingle. And the same issue as the uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop, right? Like, can religious bigots discriminate against people? Uh, and the answer is clearly no. Um, and and so, uh, but, but in that same massive sprawling Facebook thread, uh, there was a guy named Eric Brewer. And I was, and I have said this, and I've, I've actually like apologized to Eric uh, for this, but I've, I was twice as aggressive easily, right, uh, to to Eric than I was to the uh, atheist podcaster. Uh, and, and part of it was because he came later, right? So I was already like super cranky and, and whatever. Um, 
<laughs> Eric is a patron of the show now, right? Like, it, it, in other words, it, it's just the, like the difference of of personality. Like, you know, when I came back, and even though I came like super strong at him, and I was, you know, overly cranky, uh, Eric was like, "Oh wait, like I'm talking to a lawyer who might actually know something about this." Like. Um, here's my conception. Am I wrong about that? And I was like, well, yeah, actually you are. And here's why. And he was like, oh, that's cool. That totally makes sense. Um, and that, and like, so a, I give him all the credit in the world because, you know, again, he had every, he would have had every right to just be like, yeah, this guy is, you know, full of himself and, and a jerk. Uh, cause it was a little bit of a jerk to him. Um, but, uh, uh that like, that model to me, like, that's what I want to do with the show, right? Like the, the idea of let's sit down, let's have a conversation and here's what I'm bringing to the table. And, and in a lot of situations, like I'm, I'm again, I don't want to be full of myself, but like I'm bringing an expertise that, that, that people don't have, but it's part of why, like I paid our editor to come up with Andrew was wrong music, right? Like there's no segment <laughs> I enjoy more than doing an Andrew was wrong in the beginning. Like it, it, it was, you know, I, I want, I always want to be held accountable for, you know, what I say on the show, like, that's what it means to be a skeptic. And like, I screw, I, again, as evidenced by the segment, like I screw stuff up all the time because we talk about, you know, all sorts of, and sometimes I script a lot. That's, that's the most embarrassing uh, when I do that. Uh, but, you know, like that's, to me, that's the example that, you know, I want to set going forward. That's what I want the show to be about. I don't want anybody to ever believe something because I've said it. I want people to, you know, have the tools necessary to go out and process things for themselves. So, no, and yeah, that's. I mean, that's making it more of a revealed truth than than actually teaching somebody how to think or teaching them how to uh, how to process the information for themselves. Yeah. No, it, it. And if you see, I mean, we get uh, every couple of days somebody will, will will come on Twitter and will say something like, you know, sometimes it's law students who are like, you know. I just passed my, you know, torts exam. And I think it's because I listened to opening arguments or, you know, the other day somebody was like, I read the document that was referenced in, you know, a, a Chicago Tribune article about something like I clicked through and I, I actually read the, the case and it didn't scare me. And I was able to understand it because of the show. Like those are the best compliments in the world. Like that's why we do the show. Um, nothing feels better than, than being like, look, I get the law is scary, but like, you know, here's how you can sort of reclaim some of being able to, to understand it for yourself. Well, and see, and it's awesome that you are sort of this person for your community of listeners. And then also for, you know, people like us who, before we got on tonight, Dan sends me a link of something that happened. Like, you know, cause, because I, because like we were saying before, it is totally normal for it to be Monday night at almost eight o'clock and big shit's happening because this is, it's totally normal, right, Andrew? Our you, world is normal, right? Th uh, this is, I, and again, this is as, as not normal as it could possibly be, right? Like, and so, you know, we're at least Natalie, I mean, you know, Dan is identified as a conservative, so, you know, whatever, but uh, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a joke. Yeah, that, that's I, a soundbite to take Look, from. look, like I'm a left of center guy. 
I was not a fan of the George W. Bush administration. There were things that he did that were asymmetrically shady, right? Like mm-hmm. appointing scores of, you know, Liberty University grads to the Department of Justice in underling positions so that then they could be promoted through the ranks when they were manifestly non-qualified. Uh, and uh, Regent University, I think, too. Um, you know, like, so, look, there were horrible, terrible things that George W. Bush, outsourcing our prisons to a private torture facility in Cuba, right? Like, these are not normal things, but those are not normal things within the realm of contemplable politics, right? Like, what we have right now is we have somebody who is 71 years old, who is the president, who, as far as I can tell, has never done anything charitable or civic-minded or anything in his entire life, right? Like, say what you will about Mike Pence, and I'll say a lot about Mike Pence, but Mike Pence... I can say, I live in India, and I can say a lot about my former boss. Mike Pence, I liken to George Wallace, right? Like, he's he's a monster. His, His beliefs are odious and horrible, but nevertheless, like, he has a conception of public service, right? Like, he has causes that are higher than himself. They're wrong. Right. But he is at least somebody (laughs) that our founding fathers anticipated being involved in government. Right. Like, again, misguided and strange and wrong, but but nevertheless, like civic minded, our founding is just very, very clear. You go back to the documents. Our founding fathers never contemplated. Um, and, and there are some embarrassingly naive passages in, in the uh, Hamilton uh, Federalist Papers on, on the presidency in which he's like, well, and obviously, you know, no man of, you know, callow abilities could be elected president because of the Electoral College or whatever. And, and uh, you know, and it just makes you, you cringe and cry. But like Donald Trump, as far as I can tell, the only things he cares about are enriching himself his immediate family and his inner circle of cronies. He cares about no other thing beyond that. And that's terrifying. And that's why, you know, I've moved into the position. It's something I, I always say to fellow atheists, right? Like when you're rooting for impeachment, when you're rooting to ascend Yodel Mountain, that is going to make Mike Pence president. And it is probably going to make it more likely that horrendous legislation gets passed, right? Not Again, it's hard to imagine something worse than the current tax bill or whatever, but like get imagining, right? Uh, and in my view, that's the price for restoring the nation to at least having some some semblance of an adult in charge. So I, I'm sorry, that was a that was a ranting uh, uh, tirade. Uh, <laughs> but but but, but that but that's <laughs> that sets it up very well because you know it's. It's Monday night. And we're gonna and travel ban. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, just, a nor- just a normal Monday in America. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. See, in 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 with that, like this is the third iteration of it. But I feel like to to speak to what you were referring to with Pence just being more equipped to actually get shit done. I, I feel like like if Pence were, I mean, he would probably have done this as president, but he would get his first version done as opposed to Trump just being so stupid about how he constructs it and how he, he even like pitches it and like calling it a, a Muslim ban or, or or whatever like that. Uh, what whatever I, f- I forget what exact how exactly he worded it uh, with the the first iteration, but like at least like Pence knows how to politic. He just doesn't yeah, no, that, know a lot of things. That, that is exactly right. One of the very earliest episodes that we did of, of opening arguments was, you know, 
and, and again, it was set up like it's kind of hard to go back and listen to it, right? It, it was set up as okay in the exceptionally unlikely incident, you know, uh, outcome where Donald <laughs> Trump is president, could he really ban all the Muslims from coming in? Um, and the answer I gave in that first episode was probably yes. And the reason is there's a statute, it's 8 USC 1182F. And that statute says, suspension or of entry or imposition of restrictions by president. And it says, wherever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation, that means executive order, and for such period as he deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Okay. Um, that's pretty broad language. Uh, and when you look at the times, and it's only been used a couple of times in our nation's history, uh, but it's it's been upheld, right? So, um, so there's the authority. Uh, had a competent president drafted the first executive order, um, I, I think it would have been very, very difficult to challenge that. Uh, but what happened was we had Trump and, uh, and, and by the way, like, because Trump is Trump, what that means is that standard Republican operatives have been very, very slow in moving over to him, right? So the people who are working for him are either, uh, incompetent or lesser, I shouldn't say incompetent, but the, but, but there are lesser levels of competent, or they are people like Paul Manafort who are so whom everyone knows is toxic and corrupt and no one else would touch. Right. So that's who you have as your staffers uh, and who you have writing this thing. And so the first uh, the, the real problem with the first executive order, and I say problem from a legal analytical standpoint, right? Like the, the problem is that we have a monstrous racist <laughs> as president, but like yeah. the, the, the legal specific problem with the order was that it really made no differentiation in in terms of banning the imposition of, of entries of classes of aliens between people who had a pre-existing right to come to this country and people who didn't, right? And so now, all of a sudden, even though you had a statutory authorization for it, um, you had, right, vacationing Americans, vacationing uh, individuals who were out of the country on um work visas, right? Who had, who had a work visa to be in the United States, but were out visiting family and were trying to come home. Well, those people have due process rights that are guaranteed by the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. Um, and there was no, like, there was no reason to include them in the first EO. And any competent lawyer would have said, okay, you've got to carve out, you're not even trying, you're trying to stop immigration, right? Like, <laughs> you've got to carve it out, but they didn't. Uh, and that's why to, to oversimplify, that's why the first EO was blocked. And so then uh, the second EO was promulgated. Uh, but by the time the second EO was promulgated, again, because our president is a goddamn moron, um, you, you had uh, the Ninth Circuit in particular, by the time it was appealed, uh, that injunction was granted by a district court in Hawaii and then appealed up to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Um, and the Ninth Circuit established, put together a record based on the president's public statements, right? Saying things like, well, you know, this new travel ban is really the same thing. It's all just the Muslim ban and it's all extreme vetting. Extreme vetting is the Muslim ban. And so every time, you know, that, that 
the administration was trying to walk a nuanced line, Trump would take to Twitter or, you know, go out in public. Um, and, it, and it really created uh, a, a level of argumentation that, quite frankly, wouldn't have been there uh, if, uh, you know, if not sort of for the, for the missteps of the administration. Um, and that, you know, that kind of put a crack in the door. There's a, uh, th there's a case um, that, uh, that, that's the city of Hialeah case um, that, uh, is, that kind of sets out the test of when uh, you can overturn legislation for having a discriminatory purpose. Um, and what happened in, in that particular case, the city of Hialeah, Florida, uh, passed a law that banned certain kinds of uh, public slaughter of chickens, right? Um, and again, because this is a town council and like truly most town council members are idiots, right? Like, I mean, you know, that requires no <laughs> talent whatsoever. So the town wanted to ban Santeria, right? And so in order to ban Santeria, they wanted to ban the practice of chicken slaughter. Well, there's a perfectly easy way to ban chicken slaughtering while pretending that you're not discriminating against practitioners of Santeria. And that is, you say, you know, whereas we find that the public slaughter of chickens and their bloodletting creates a public health hazard, and whereas, you know, that has been on the rise in the city of Hialeah, therefore, you know, be it resolved by the city of Hialeah that within the confines of the city, it shall be a misdemeanor class five to slaughter a chicken in, in, in outdoors, right? Like, you do it totally neutrally, it clamps down on the practice of the religion, and there's nothing you can do about it. Instead, what the city of Hialeah did was elicited testimony from ministers and members in the community who were like, we have a creeping Santeria problem here, and we got to keep these Santeria people oh, out. Man. And literally, it was right on the record of, I know this bill seems like it's about chickens, but it's really about keeping out Santeria, right? And, and that's the level that something has to rise to before the Supreme Court is like, okay, so like that you can't do that thing, right? And then Trump really is is pretty close to city of Hialeah. So yeah, um, so that's a super long-winded way of saying uh, I am not surprised by the uh, Supreme Court's orders that, that have come down today. I can tell you a little bit about, you know, what, what they are and what they do, but, but, but I have been saying, you know, from the beginning the door cracked open because of Trump's incompetence. But I've been saying from the beginning, you know, look, that there shouldn't be this 8 USC 1182F, uh, but there is. It's a statute. It's been on the books for a long time. Uh, and non, non-resident aliens, those who do not have a pre-existing right to be in this country, don't have constitutional rights either, right? So, yeah. So the president can, by and large, can do this. I'm not surprised uh, at, at, at the outcome. I should say, you know, this is not a merits decision, but, but when there is a merits decision, the merits will, will be upheld as well. And so can you like, just summarize and speak to like <laughs> where we are, like, like right, right now as best as possible? I mean, I know this is just super recent and everything. Sure. And um, breaking news. Yeah. So it's, it, it's a little, it's a little bit, it's a little bit confusing procedurally. No court has ruled on the merits of whether the third travel ban, that's EO 13867, violates the Constitution. Okay. There's there hasn't been a decision on that. What there has been is there were there were two cases, uh, one in Hawaii and one here in Maryland. And in fact, the judge in Maryland is 
um, colleague of mine, not a friend, but a colleague of mine, somebody I know, uh, Ted Chang. And um, both of those courts uh, issued a preliminary injunction that blocked the executive order from going into effect. Um, and, and, and what that means is um, typically when you sue somebody over something, um, the rest of the world continues to operate while you sue them, right? So for example, if, um, if Natalie, you and I have a contract uh, and you, uh, I say, and I'm supposed to pay you, you know, a certain amount of money and I say you've breached that contract. So I stop paying you, right? Then you can go to court. And, and if I'm wrong, if I'm just making it up, you can go to court and sue me for the balance of the contract. But, but, but what doesn't happen is you don't, you the status quo doesn't continue, right? Like I get to stop paying you and then yeah. we go to court and figure it out. Right. Yeah. The reason we can do that in the contract case is because it's about money and courts will figure out money at the end of the day. But in a situation where it's important for the status quo to continue, you can get a temporary restraining order and then preliminary injunction. And what that does is it prevents the thing that you want to have happen from actually happening. And what you have to do in order to do that is there, there's a four-part test. But the two things that you really have to show is, number one, you have to show irreparable harm. Right. So uh, it, it, and what irreparable harm means in, in legal parlance is something that can't be fixed by money. Right. So when I breach the contract with you, Natalie, you don't have irreparable harm because if we put enough money, if we throw enough money at you, it's fine. Right. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> if you're violating people's constitutional rights to be in this country, there's not an amount of money that will make that fine. Right. So you have irreparable harm. But then what you have to show and this is this is something that we talk about on the show all the time. And like, I, I, I just, I'd like to do a seminar for journalists because journalists don't seem to get this. Um, but you have to show to the court um, the, 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 the provision is called likelihood of success on the merits. Um, and let me explain what that means. What that means is you, you have to show the court that you are likely to win on the merits of the underlying argument. And not just, you know, 51-49, but that it's like 70-30, that it's pretty clear in your favor, right? So in other words, in order to get the injunction, you have to show, look, there's a real need for the court to step in. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to win on this eventually anyway, and we should just sort of short circuit to the end. So think about what that means just from an analytical standpoint. What it means is that when you win on getting a, a, a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction, that you're probably going to win on the underlying merit, right? Because the courts say you've got a judge who you're going to argue the merits in front of who said, I think you're likely to win on the merits. And generally, when judges say, I think you're likely to win on the merits, they don't turn around and go, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking six months ago. No, you, you are, right? <laughs> um, but if you lose on a, pro, on, on a preliminary injunction, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to lose on the merits. It might just mean that you weren't sufficiently, right? That the judge says, boy, I think this is kind of a, a tough call. It's kind of 50-50 right now, right? So, um, so I was surprised when uh, two courts issued TROs uh, and enjoined the travel ban from going into effect because I thought the best you were going to get was 50-50, right? Um, that, that, that you put the city of Hialeah arguments and you put some of the fact-finding arguments, whatever, and you stack it up against 8 USC 1182F, 
the best you were going to get was was 50-50. But two really smart judges uh, uh, put together uh, pretty solid opinions. Uh, those got appealed to the uh, the Ninth Circuit for the Hawaii decision uh, and the Fourth Circuit, respectively, uh, and were upheld in both of those circuits. And then appealed to by the Trump administration to the Supreme Court. And when the Trump administration appealed, they appealed for an order enjoining those court opinions from going into effect. So in other words, it shifted the burden away from uh, the um, the parties challenging the travel ban and to the Trump administration, right? So now they have to meet that test, right? Irreparable harm uh, and um, and proving likelihood of success on the merits. And the Supreme Court a year ago uh, enjoined the the second executive order uh, on the basis that uh, that that it met those criteria. So it, it, it the Supreme Court the Supreme Court was very very clear in signaling where they were going to come out. Um, then EO number two uh, was time limited and expired. So the Trump administration promulgated EO three. Uh, EO three added in uh, the country of Chad and added in North Korea and was you know sort of a really transparent fig leaf to try and and say that it's a uh, uh, you know not a Muslim ban uh, and um, and that's what these two orders are uh, and again same thing happened uh, enjoined upheld by the fourth and ninth circuits um, and these orders are um, so first they're 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 per curiam. Um, uh, they, uh, and by that, I mean, nobody authors these particular orders, um, but they are seven to two. Uh, the, the dissenters are Ginsburg and Sotomayor, but that's it. Uh, and what they do is they say, uh, that the, the stay application to stay the, the effect of the fourth and ninth circuit cases is granted pending the fourth and ninth circuit reaching a decision on the merits of those cases. Now, I think what's going to happen is the fourth and ninth circuits are going to rule that the travel ban is unconstitutional on the merits. It will then be appealed to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court, it will be consolidated and the Supreme Court is going to affirm. And the Supreme Court will grant another stay by the government when that happens uh, on the merits uh, and, 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 you know, so that's so those are the stories you're going to see. The next story you're going to see is Fourth Circuit strikes down travel ban, right? In four months, five months, six months. Um, that's not going to change the ultimate trajectory on this. And it will be in effect. It will have been in effect. And it will stay in effect. It, you know, that it may there may be two or three days where it, you know it goes out. Uh, but um, but that's that's what's going to happen. Like. And to me, just having this sort of discussion about this thing happening just feels kind of unbelievable mm -hmm. that this is where we are. Yeah. Well, and so <laughs> go, go yeah, ahead. I, no, no, really. And, and it's like, where, where do, where do we go from like with like this as part of our culture and the, the well, I mean, we're white, so we go, we go anywhere because oh. have you ever tried Ooh. being white? It's. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Dan! Oh, uh, Dan! But, um, but really, that's it's... that's not that's that's a shot. That's not well. No, that's that's at the expense of uh, Trump and Trump supporters, is it not? 
don't yes. Even know. Let's go with yes. yes. Let's. Yes. I'm going. I'm going with <laughs> yes. yes on that one. We'll go. We'll I, go with yes. But it, I, it's just. It's such a fucked up situation, though. The whole right. thing. Remember, in early 2016, when Trump announced this during the Republican primaries, he was condemned by every Republican politician, by every person on the stage, except I think Ben Carson, uh, and by every, by Paul Ryan, by Mitch McConnell, by the Republican establishment. And uh, the people who have moved are the Republican establishment. Right. And the reason they moved is what we saw today with the with, uh, what we saw a couple of days ago, with the, the Senate passage of, of the tax bill. Right? Like that's what they wanted to do. They didn't care that in order to do that, it required putting, uh, a, you know, a criminal narcissist game show host in office. But like that, that's where we are. Right. Like it was a, a year and a half ago when everybody agreed that this was monstrous and and. Uh, yeah, I don't I I don't know how to get that back other than for there to be, you know, electoral consequences for people who do this. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean it's like this wasn't actually what we were thinking, oh, we'd talk about, but then this is just what happened on tonight right before the show. And but that's that's kind of like the climate right now. I mean, you and Thomas do not have a lack of things to discuss on OA because it's it's constant though, right? I mean, even like Dan and I, for this, for our show, we have interviews that we recorded in the summer that we haven't put out yet oh, wow. because there's always something topical. Like, to- yeah, like, we've been wanting to put out, uh, uh, who who is it? The Cosmic Skeptic. We talked to him like, feels like ago. years ago. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, like we can't be, because and Natalie was just chatting me as we we're talking here. It's, we we we're there's so much happening and i think part of it is um i know like i i feel so powerless to try to to do anything uh you know it's like well what 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 can i do to to do this besides like talk about it and and try try to raise some some level of awareness on it and and get other these ideas and, and other people as quickly as we can like that so yeah we just keep uh just keep putting putting well, things off. And... Well, well, it's and and uh, yes, on the on the putting things off. As Natalie knows, I we keep an electronic whiteboard. I have fifteen things on that list that we wrote in October of 2016, and <laughs> uh, it, and it just gets pushed down every week because yeah. right. there's there's too many stories to cover. Um, as to what you can do, and I beat this drum every single show I go on. Every single time I'm talking to like-minded folks, what you can do is vote democratic even if you don't like the democratic candidate right there must look this is it's a binary system and the only thing that will move republicans is if they suffer electoral consequences and you know it, it particularly when when we're speaking to liberal right like i don't know how you talk to trump supporters right i've tried um it's gonna be real hard to move them uh but I know people that we can move that are sufficient to, to give us back a majority. Um, and, and, and you got to tell those people, like, I don't care if you identify as a communist and an ex Goldman Sachs banker just won the democratic primary. Like you got to pull the lever for that guy with the D next to his name, no matter how odious he is, because that's the only consequence there is in our political system is losing office. And it, it, and that it, if that's not if you're not doing that 100 percent of the time, then 
what you are doing is legitimating in some way what Trump is doing. And you have to measure every single thing against that. Um, and and uh, so I think as part of my outreach, every time I talk to somebody who says, I identify as a Democrat, I'm like, yeah, but let's talk about what that means, right? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go nuts, right? Like, and the example I always use is, right, you know, in Iowa's second district, there's going to be like Star Moonbeam running for office, and she's going to be, you know, a lesbian Wiccan, you know, uh, uh, I, like she's going to be perfect in every single way. And she's and like the 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 groundswell behind her, among, you know, in our community is going to be amazing. And like, and then she's going to lose fifty two forty eight, you know, to an establishment Democrat ex Goldman Sachs banker. And like you better get out there and vote for Mr. Goldman Sachs, right? Like, I don't care how hurt you are. And like, it won't matter how badly he cheats Star Moonbeam out of, like, get out there and vote for him. And if you say, well, it's Star or nothing, then congratulations. Like, you know, you're helping Donald Trump. So you voted for Jill Stein last election. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. I I have. I don't know. I I, I know you're you're saying that as a joke. Um, I have for over a year now uh, referred to Jill Stein publicly as a fraud, a con artist, a cheat, uh, and have dared her to sue me. I I repeat that in, at every opportunity. Repeat that again now. Uh, she's a, she is not just a, a spoiler. I mean, she is an, an idiot and somebody who wished Harambe a happy birthday, all true, by the way. Uh, but, uh, but she's a con artist. Uh, and Natalie's going to find out more about that at my, uh, talk to the DC area skeptics this, uh, this Sunday, December 9th, 1.30 PM in Bethesda. Oh yeah. yeah. See, and this is, that's perfect because we, we are going to release this episode this week because as, as we were talking before, I like sent dan a message like we're we're releasing this one this week because it's i would like to go back and talk more about harambe here we (laughs) that's that's dan's dan's favorite meme of all time but but really though because if the thing with with the climate right now in in our country is that if we wait to release this episode till next week he would trump's already going to do something else crazy probably oh yeah or or he's going to tweet something and whatever if we're all still here next week like it that's just kind of the the feeling sometimes of it all and you know you're right though about the voting and about the like getting out there and just but that's speaking even then that's that's what i think that's what a lot of republicans thought was that this this is the person that can get us what we want he's he's an idiot uh we don't like him uh, but he's he's the one that we have there, so so vote for him. And I don't know what the what the answer to that is, but that I mean I, I see that same argument with them, and now so many of them, Paul Ryan, are too spineless to actually stand up and and say that some that I mean you could you can almost tell you when you look at some of them that you that that's they they know how fucked up this is, but they. They just they just don't care. And I I don't I can't wrap my mind around that. Just 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 going along with something just so awful and and evil. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I mean, and again, you know, to, to shift the blame back back where it belongs, like. I don't blame Republicans for for voting Republican. Right? Like they're Republicans. I mean, of course they're going to do that, right? I, I blame 
If you look at the back catalog, I started opening arguments. Episodes one through four are on the Bush v. Gore 2000 decision. And I can't tell you at the time that we recorded those in July of 2016, I did not think it was very, it was right after the whole, uh, the first round of, of, of Comey leaks came out. Um, I did not think that Donald Trump could be president. I never seriously entertained that for a second. But nevertheless, I saw as part of the political dynamic, something that was awfully close to what happened in 2000. And to, to kind of super summarize that down, uh, a bunch of goddamn liberal idiots didn't think that Al Gore, who was the most legitimately progressive candidate that the Democrats have run in half a century, uh, was liberal enough for them. And so they decided to cast protest votes for Ralph Nader that handed the election to George W. Bush, uh, who was pre-Donald Trump, mm -hmm. the worst president in our nation's history. Right. And they did it in horrifyingly similar ways to things that repeated themselves in the 2016 election. An example I always give is the state of West Virginia. Right. And you two are both younger than me. Uh, you look at West Virginia and it is a deep red state full of <laughs> mountain people. Right. Uh, in the in the 2000 election, heading into it. West Virginia was one of 10 states that voted for Michael Dukakis in 1988. Michael Dukakis lost Illinois, Maryland, and California, but he won West Virginia. West Virginia was a deep blue stronghold. Nobody in West Virginia in the Democratic Party thought that they were in a battleground state. And scores of goddamn idiots in West Virginia said, well, I'm going to have a protest vote for Ralph Nader because, you know, it's clear Al Gore is going to win West Virginia anyway. West Virginia's five electoral votes. Uh, if those people had voted for Al Gore instead of Ralph Nader, then Al Gore would have had enough electoral votes to be president without Florida. We wouldn't have had to heard about the hanging chads. We wouldn't have had the Bush v. Gore. We wouldn't have had any of it. He would have had 273 electoral votes. The election would have been over. Nobody thought West Virginia was a battleground state until it was. Al Gore lost Tennessee, his home state. Very few presidential candidates have ever lost their home state. Nobody thought he was going to lose Tennessee until he did, right? Uh, Al Gore lost New Hampshire. Uh, again, Two, he had 268. New Hampshire has three electoral votes. That would have been enough. Uh, it would have been in 271 to 269, but it would have been enough. Uh, Al Gore and Bill Clinton had won New Hampshire twice. Uh, nobody thought Al Gore was going to lose New Hampshire. You take any of those states and you take the liberals in those states uh, who just said, well, we have the luxury to wait it out because we're not in one of the purple swing states. And now flash forward to 2016. Democrats in Wisconsin, Democrats in, and, and Hillary Clinton narrowly won Minnesota by like 5,000 votes. She almost lost Minnesota. But Democrats in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan in particular said, look, I'm looking at Nate Silver. He shows Hillary Clinton winning by 10. Doesn't hurt for me to vote for Jill Stein or whatever. And, and you don't realize you're in a battleground state until all of a sudden that's a red state. Uh, and, and it, it's something I say over and over again, you know, it, look, is California going to be a swing state in 20? probably not. Right. But, but if you don't live in California, like you have an obligation to, to not look at Nate Silver's map and go, it's kind of safe. So I'm going to send it. You've got an obligation to get out there and, you know, make sure that, that make sure that you, you vote. So or you could opinion. just well, just vote for the right person and then just tell everybody that you didn't. Like that's fine. I'm cool with that. Right. Like nobody will know. <laughs> yeah, that Maybe is a little right. secret. Like, yeah, like like I think and, it is. Just, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I've been. I was just gonna but. say, just 
No, I was just like, just like learning from mistakes, like using this election of 2016 as let's not do that again. Let's actually vote where it is going to count and vote and not just sit at home as, you know. Yeah, well, that's the other thing is it, it, you look you can look at the amount of total votes over over the last what I think three elections and each election, the Democrat like the amounts for the Republican candidates about the same, but each time the uh, for the Democratic candidate went down significantly. Yeah. And, and, but again, right. I mean, Natalie, you're talking about learning from 2016 and I sure hope we do, but like, these are the same, these are the exact same lessons that were presented in 2000. Right. I know. And I know. And that's, and that's the thing that's scary. It's terrifying. Is that, is that that wasn't enough to make people, you know, just, do what they needed to do to get shit done. But um, I guess, and I guess, you know, what Dan was talking about continuing to have conversations and talk about this stuff. I, I think that there's a lot of value to that. Like, I think what you and Thomas do with your show has so much value in just the, the content you're putting out there. I think everybody else, you know, like us who has a podcast to continue to talk about these things, even though I don't think we went into this, like we're going to be, political or we're going to you know (laughs) because who knows but with the world the way it is everybody needs to put these messages out there because they're we we need to saturate these messages out there because obviously people need well and not and not not only that i and and, yeah not only that but just learn how to talk to each other about it without divulging divulging uh whatever devolving into you know some some angry thread where you're you're calling everybody every name you can possibly think of just because you have ideological differences and i'm not talking about people who say um you know horrible awful racist things just in general like if somebody has a disagreement with you over their political ideology that doesn't mean they're a terrible person necessarily there's probably still a lot of things that uh that they say and do and think that are that are good it's just this one area that they uh you know may not uh, align with you on you, you know i mean and, and let me throw this as a question out to you because i i ask this of, of, of everybody that uh, that i talk to who's smart and politically active because i don't know the answer to it and, it, and it's this um I don't know how to have productive discussions with folks in an era where uh, people on the other side get their news from Fox News and Breitbart and Alex Jones, uh, and 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 literally we're not inhabiting a world of the same facts. And you know, and and I will say like, well, there's X, and they'll be like, oh yeah, well, you got that from you know the mainstream media, so I don't believe that. And I, and I'm like, I, it, okay, so you know, so the best I can come up with is kind of you know what, let's talk about how to evaluate sources, but like. But now, you know, now I'm on a one-on-one, right? And I, I don't know how to reach people that are being uh, indoctrinated with, you know, what is really the equivalent of like Pravda circa 1965, right? Like we have a, a state-run organ in, in, uh, in Fox News that, that actively coordinates with the Republican Party and does not care whether their stories are true or false, that accuses the actual media that report true stories of being fake news. I, it, I how to, so you, you guys clearly have thoughts on that. I don't know how to, 
how to have those conversations, how to bridge that gap, how so, to get beyond it. See, and and I guess for me, and I and this I don't know that this is any great answer, but I I think you I mean you can do the best you can to try to present your arguments or cases for where you get your news and what good sources are and all of that. But if, I, if I'm kind of thinking of this in the way I think of, say, the people I um, interact with on Twitter or like anti-vax people or people who are so <laughs> far on, on, one, yeah, yeah. No, say, good, good on one side of things. OK, so I know that there are people who are unf- and, I'm, and I say, unfortunately, kind of unreachable. Mm-hmm. Like they are not like the people who are the true believers in whatever Alex Jones is saying or whatever, whatever Andrew Wakefield or whatever, pick your conspiracy theorist, whatever they're saying. There are people who I think, unfortunately, are kind of unreachable. So I think that the conversations need to be more with the middle of the road on the fence people. And I I don't know because I like you, Andrew, I don't know how to sway or convince somebody who's so what you can't just deeply held beliefs you can't i like i i mean i unfortunately maybe think the answer is you can't with some people but then it's shifting the focus and attention to who can you reach and putting the effort there well and, and that's why and that's why i talk about motivating liberals all the time right because i mm-hmm. it, it i i've reached the same conclusion but 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 I tell you what, what worries me, um, what worries me in the long term is, right, I don't know how many, how many people are truly anti-vax, right? 5% of the population, 10, right? And I'm not trying to downplay it, like that's scary. Oh, no, yeah. Trump's approval rating is 37%, right? One in, well, more than one in three people are are down the rabbit hole on, on Donald Trump. And, 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 that, and, and I worry about, look, Politically, strategically, I can say, yeah, let's build a coalition that's 55%. That does. But like writing off 40% of the country is a really, it is not, that's how you get, you know, the Bastille, right? I mean, like you, you, that's not a recipe for a healthy mm-hmm. society in the long run. And uh, I, don't I know. mean, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's what uh, so many, uh, like what, what, causes people to have such the such extreme views is because they feel and and i'm not saying they're right i'm not taking their side i'm not being defensive i'm just trying to look at what has built that up and what's uh like kind of results in where where we're at now is when you like you you it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because they you have people who have such terrible views uh espousalist views they are shamed and now they go into hiding they go underground they stop posting about it publicly and things like that um and but then they are able to connect with these groups and they say yeah everybody's against us and then so that just emboldens them and makes them feel and and of course i know trump has done nothing but help those people feel more powerful and and like they can be more vocal and and uh, with, with their thoughts like that with these terrible thoughts uh but I, I think I think it's it's there. I don't know what the answer is, is what I'm trying to say. But there there's just so much involved there where you're you, you want to have these conversations. You want to show these people why they're wrong or maybe why, you know, they're what they think is not exactly reality or remotely close to reality. Uh, but but even then you run the risk of just completely, like you said, alienating 40 percent of the country 
who's and that's not going to that that just sequesters them now and they're not going to change they're not going they're going to go further and further down the breitbart uh you know whatever fox news rabbit hole and and not going to come out of it and if i think if you can figure out how to to stop that how to fix that you 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 win politics and 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 you should run for president (laughs) no but and but as as this you know because unfortunately it's like this is the like the end of our time together but i want to i want to think about this because and I'd like to pose this to anybody who's listening, kind of same question that Andrew asked is like, how do you reach people? And I'm thinking like, would, this might be a nice discussion to do kind of roundtable style for a future episode about the idea of kind of changing hearts and minds, you know, because there are a lot of people out there who do need to be reached on various issues. And it's, and the idea of communication and effective communication and, helping change minds. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big conversation. And one that I think applies to so much of what all of us are trying to do. And, and I really like, I pose that to anyone who's listening is like, what, what, what do you do? What advice do you have to, to help reach people? Right. Cause that's valuable for any of us, you know, our, you know, where to find uh, us, it, like to, to tell us these things. I, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I mean, I just want to end, you know, that, that, Politically, it hasn't always been like this, you know, and 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 yes, right. Like we're at the we're at what seems like the absolute rock bottom right now. Uh, but but the, the trajectory has been bad for a while. And, uh, you know, when I I look back, I mean, I uh, again, I'm an old guy. So, you know, I cut kind of my formative years as a politically active kid in the Reagan administration. Um, but I look back at, at thing. I know, I know. Um, but, but, you know, and, and back then, right. It was about, right. I went, I was in, I was in school in DC when Bill Clinton was elected and we went out uh, on election night to the white house uh, and people were throwing empty suitcases over the fence at the White House, you know, uh, <laughs> encouraging uh, George H.W. Bush to, you know, move out. I mean, it was that, that 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 idea of finally, you know, getting the Republicans out of line. It was a great moment. We're passing around bottles of champagne in the street. And it was uh, it, it, so, yes. Right. Like I, I was a, a, a political partisan back then. Um, but. You know, there there are moments, right? I remember being being a kid. I remember my dad uh, taking me aside. I was only like eight or nine years old, and um, and there was a vote uh, in the Senate uh, to make uh, Martin Luther King Day a national holiday, and um, racist North Carolina Senator Jesse Helms was leading the filibuster to prevent that from happening, and he was one of the pre-Trump old school racists. Uh, So he couldn't say, you know, we don't want to have a a holiday uh, for for Martin Luther King. Instead, it was like, well, you know, Martin Luther King had ties to the Communist Party. And what's the money? What's the cost going to be in making this a federal holiday? And it was, you know, and it was all dog whistle stuff. Um, And the person, again, I remember this was, you know, 30 years ago, the person who, led the floor fight in the Senate uh, to to break the filibuster by Jesse Helms was Republican Senator Bob Dole, right? It was, it was not a given that 
because one of our cranky racist asshole members is behind this, we're all behind it, right? There was no sense of uh, that that kind of what I've called the shirts and skins model before. Like, and Bob Dole rose to the floor and look, there's senators. So he didn't call Jesse Helms a bigoted racist, but like he said, it is bigotry that is driving this. And uh, it is our best impulses that, that will put us together. And <laughs> like, um, I'm looking. So what I, what I got out of that is that we need more Bob Doles in the world. Unachievable. <laughs> so so maybe there, there's hope, right? We've been there before. There's hope, right? And I, I sure hope so. There has there. Yeah. We, we just we just need we need to we need to vote for the right people to be in there making positive change. And so yeah. I, and Andrew, I think really like you, you did like hit on a lot of important messages where people just need to like, they can take away, you know, going and voting Democrat and uh, helping turn the tides a little bit. That would be awesome. And um, I'm sure that everyone who has listened would like to listen to more of you. So where can people <laughs> find you on the internet? Or so more, uh, my more, sh- always more. My, my show is Opening Arguments, and uh, you can find that at openargs.com, O-P-E-N-A-R-G-S. And it's open args pretty much everywhere, right? The Twitter everywhere. account, Facebook, everything. So uh, look for it. We should be, we should be number coming. one on your Google search if you type in Opening Arguments. Definitely if you type in podcast so uh uh i would yeah. I, I, I thanks for the opportunity to plug the show thank you so much say, yeah you and you and we'll have yeah. i had a lot of fun Anderson. and uh Are you- thank <laughs> you and we'll and we'll have you we'll have you come back because there is never a shortage of um these kind of things to talk about between you and andrew seidel well we we can um we could just we could always have we could have uh, a lawyer andrew all the time so uh, and then I, maybe we'll get both of you sometime i don't together. i don't i don't know if you've heard i've had andrew seidel on my show twice <laughs> uh-huh. oh and, yeah at yeah. both times like we've he and i have recorded for like two and a half hours and we've done yeah. the like look over like y- you know uh like like middle school dating like you hang up no you hang up no you hang up like we could yeah, well, we could talk for i'm not kidding 24 hours straight I'm, uh, all right we'll have we can have an andrew a thon sometime on the podcast and uh, we'll do it for thank charity. you so much for coming and talking to us yeah, thank you <laughs> dan natalie thank, thank you. you so much for having This week, the reason we love the internet is a combination of Thomas the the Tank or Thomas the Dank engine and definitely and Dank in Bi- Biggie Smalls and in a somebody that I have to assume is an unemployed uh, physicist doing whatever the hell. First off, I I'm curious to know like what people would think. Like you have Thomas, we have Biggie, we have physics, and and what what the hell could you possibly come up with? Well, you come up with Thomas the Tank Engine stunts. Mm-hmm. So we have Thomas the Tank Engine going down a track doing stunts, and the video itself, I think, came out uh, a few days ago on YouTube from the channel Five Mad Movie Makers, with a number five at the beginning, of uh, just Thomas Train Stunts. And it's 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 great as it is. It's great, but it's not it's not why we love the internet alone. We should say. Uh, instead, we we have to go all the way back to 2012, uh, where we find uh, 
a, a mashup by Nork Norkum, N-O-R-K-K-O-M on YouTube. And he does whatever the hell this is. Motherfuckers, come on, motherfuckers, come on. <laughs> this is Thomas Train Stunts. This is Thomas riding down the track. He goes over a little jump, and it's it is just. <laughs> and the music, the music, it's, it's just, just so amazing. <laughs> he like rides on a thing, does a barrel roll, not a barrel roll, but a front flip. Like he does a barrel. Yeah, he does a barrel. Yeah, there's the barrel yeah, that, roll. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> And that is amazing. Hits a bridge, knocks the bridge down, and then continues It's like watching over. like dominoes, but better. Because it's Thomas. <laughs> and there's and another train. The, the red train is probably my favorite. Is it James? I, I don't know. But then, see, when, they do, when it does the crisscross, notice that Thomas slows down after the last one so the red one can get in front. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's teamwork. This is fucking brilliant. But it, that, like, yeah, really yeah, they have to be, to go over these hills, they have to go at the same time. And they have to go with the right amount of force. Oh, this one's parking. He's done. It parks. But Thomas loops. He does a loop. Jumps over other trains. I've watched just, this at just least. Just hearing, come on, motherfuckers, come on, while Thomas yeah, is doing his Thomas thing. Is, Thomas is doing stunts. I've, and Thomas I've watched, is parking. I've watched this video no f- no fewer than 25 times uh, between last night and today because it is it is the best thing I think I've ever seen. And it's amazing. I mean, it's we'll we'll say the best thing I've ever seen this week because oh, I'm yeah. sure something next week will uh, eclipse. I don't I don't know how. I don't know, but but I know we were on the same page because when I messaged you, do you have a reason why you love the internet? You responded with this and I was Instantly, just kind of waiting to see if you had was, something. It, it was still yeah. on my clipboard. Like I still had it like copy pasted, ready to go to anybody. Yeah. I've been sending it to people all night. Like, oh my God, like, did you see this? This is so funny. And I had it in a browser tab ready to send it to you. But I figured like, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that our that our great minds just just thought alike here because um, <laughs> yeah, this, this week, this is the internet winner for the week. So congratulations, Thomas, the Dank Engine. The Dank Engine. And there's also a Thomas the Dank Engine subreddit that I found when trying to trying to find the source for this. And I mean, it's, I guess, everything that you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Everything. The top, <laughs> the top <laughs> post is my reaction when friends say posting Thomas the Trank Engine memes is childish. It's a sad train face, just the train face on a boxcar. So what happened to them? Uh, it is has no memes for you. Like, of course. Of course. <laughs> so so pe- people can can watch this video that we just talked about and then fall down a a Thomas the Dank Engine rabbit hole. And then and then they're like, oh, thank you, Natalie and Dan, for introducing us to this. Let's give you money. And then they their name can be read with all the patrons that you're going to read. Oh, my God. The top all time on that subreddit is... <laughs> what is it <laughs> it's childish gambino <laughs> mashed up with it and it's it is it is so oh my god it's so amazing there there are there are so many 
mashups on this. Oh my God. I don't know that I'm going to do anything with the rest of my day. I know what you're doing for the rest of the day. It's, it's two 42 in the afternoon. So if you could like, I don't know, maybe, maybe just get shut, like throw this episode together, but then you can, you know, just Thomas it up. No, I'm going to, I am going to, I just sent you a link to a shirt. That's on again, one of the top posts on our Thomas, the dank engine. (laughs) <laughs> dude with like that is the thing. a formidable formidable beard with what maybe his he made own a shirt face? of himself yeah that's okay his own that, face. I, I couldn't tell because the, the oh, hair looks a little face. different no, <laughs> on the front he put his face on thomas he put his face and, on thomas and it says let's party and like you, really shitty like word to, art do you want me to make that for you for your birthday um I, your next birthday you want that i don't know that i don't is the yeah, thing yeah so Right, so we'll we'll put we'll keep it out there as an option. Like it's, it could happen. It is oh my god, that is amazing because yeah. the the thing about that though is you wear a shirt like that cuz I I have a shirt that has a uh cat with like a little like Roman crown like Caesar type crown on his head yeah. wearing glasses riding a llama corn while UFOs fly overhead and there's a rainbow in the background and uh I'm want to be left alone when I go to the store because people are awful, but everybody feels like they have to talk to me and go, where did you find that? And I go literally like Google, like llama corn cat riding llama corn and, and you'll find it. But people talk to me and, and as, as, like I said, as we know, I don't want to talk to strangers because (laughs) strangers are stranger danger, (laughs) but people who are not scary, Include, but are not limited to, Tattoos and Bones, Ryan Wimmer, uh, Ben Davis, Nathan Dickey, Alice, Cynthia Francis, Michael Baldwin, Frank Olick, I should have tried to pronounce his name before before I just read it, oh, oh, Frank O, Jeffrey <laughs> Michael Costa, Losing Lab, Magnus Borns, Sav, Hannah Carpenter, Felix, uh, another one, Sangui, I think. Chris Noble, Michael Troll, Michael Bazacco, Sarah Moderall, and Josue Gonzalez. And, and sorry if... Uh, uh, I said your name wrong. Uh, maybe get a simpler name. I mean, this is America after all, right? It, Am it I is. wrong? It, it is. This no, is America. I mean, you're right. You're right. That is, that's a correct <laughs> statement that it is. Um, you are on yeah, the record now. We're, I'm on the record as saying, as, that, this as is saying that this is, this is, a, this is America. Uh, yeah. no, but if I said your name, I'm sorry. Like you can send me a message and yell at me and, and I'll do it, do it better next week. Uh, but th- yeah. those are our beloved patrons. You can be, become a patron yourself at patreon.com slash T S E podcast to get access to early episodes, commercial free episodes and other, uh, things that we put up on there. Um, you can also follow us on sciencefthusiastpodcast.com, uh, all the Facebook pages. We're launching a new website, skepticalkitten.com. Uh, it's going to have cats and skeptic kind of stuff, but mostly it's going to be cats and uh, lot, lots of cats. Uh, but that, that'll be up at some point uh, over the next few days. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, what else? What uh, else I'll, is there? I'll, give a, I'll give a quote and then we'll just uh, we'll wrap this up. All right, hit us with a quote. Okay. If someone doesn't value evidence, what evidence are you going to provide to prove that they should value it? If someone doesn't value logic, what logical argument could you provide to show the importance of logic? That's Sam Harris. Yeah. Yeah. 
something to think about. It's, um, yeah, it's so, like talking to any anti-vaxxer, talking to any anti-GMO, and it's, any sort of uh, anti-climate change, or not, everybody should be anti-climate change, but climate change deniers, uh, yeah. or any, any sort of, any person who subscribes to any type of religion. Yeah, and it's it's pretty much me trying to talk to anybody who thinks that that my movie was funded by Monsanto. It so. wasn't. Did it we just wasn't. lie at, to uh, to our listeners at the beginning of the episode by saying we that we were supported by Monsanto? We we did we did, and we're and we're sorry. You know, I, sorry. I will ha- I will have you know that I have mailed uh, stickers to employees. Of Monsanto, and and at least one order went directly to Monsanto. Oh, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I literally, Something. I've, I've accepted. Well, I guess it's not from Monsanto; it's from employees it's from, from employee, Monsanto. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, number one, thank but you. You're, you, you know what, Dan? Scientificsdot.com/store, but you're part of the shillspiracy. I'm okay with that because uh, me you, too. You know, yeah, yeah. You know what's cool about it. What's cool about it? Money. 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 <laughs> That's it. Money is cool. And um, yeah, so <laughs> we'll be back next week, maybe with our um, interview with David Alvarado about the Bill Nye film. Well, see, we have we have David we'll Alvarado. Be, Who else? We'll be like, back we, we have such week. we okay. have such a All backlog. Right, so, David Alvarado, Chris Johnson, so Cosmic Skeptic, Carol Churchill. We have, and then. Trevor Valley forever. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we have and and Marissa McCool and I did an interview together. Like there there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. So to we anybody have, if, it, you're, well, if you're listening and we've interviewed you, we, your interviews are just considered evergreen content and we'll be out and we love you and yeah. Well, in in uh David Smalley said he'll come on the show. Uh him and Meta, uh friendly atheist said he'll come on the show too. So I mean, we we just uh, we're don't interview, have, yeah. We we're don't interview have Anthony enough time. I know there's so many people, and which is, you know what? Honestly, though, I would rather have it like this, where there's so many awesome people that we've talked to and are going to talk to, um, than a lack of that. In- instead of so. posting, hey, I need a guest this week. Anyone want to come on my show? So uh, yeah, so we'll <laughs> be back next week. <laughs> And uh, I think, oh, Jeff, uh, our friend Jeff um, from <laughs> former friend or former guest of the show, uh, he's a, no, meant, he's a okay. patron, damn it. No. <laughs> he slept at my house former, a couple former, nights. Former guest is what I was going to say. Oh, fuck. God damn it, Natalie. Yeah. Uh, but what did he say? He said something about um, that we should end every show by saying that we're being we're keeping it professional or that it was super professional because i think i must have said that to you last time because you were you sounded really professional last time it was organized i my life was not falling apart that week so uh i felt good that week and then i mean (laughs) and then of course the next week happened so yeah as as it does (laughs) weeks weeks do happen is he joking is he serious i mean you'll never know who knows who knows stay tuned next week and find out there's the clickbait to end on that's a wrap (laughs) there's so many awesome people that we've talked to and are going to talk to um then a lack of that instead of posting hey i need a guest this week anyone want to come on my show so uh yeah so we'll be back next week
The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC. All rights reserved. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.